Shaw Rometta. What's up, dude? What's up? Owner of Eat Sleep Rock. We were at an Eat Sleep Rock show last night. Sort of. We sponsored the event. It was not put on by us. It was, I, as much as I would love to take credit for a show like that, I can't. It was Eat Sleep Rock in my heart, dude. I mean, it is something like derivative of what I feel like original Eat Sleep Rock shows were. Because yeah. even though just last night I got to meet like Bo from True Villains officially for the first time, they were a big part of like that initial scene that Eat Sleep Rock kind of was. How so? Like a lot of original, like from when Tara Turner, the um, the founder of Eat Sleep Rock Nashville, like true villains and uh, like hippies and cowboys, like a lot of those bands and the reveal formerly No Name Blues, yeah. those were the bands that were a, on a lot of those early Eat Sleep Rock Nashville bills yeah. that I had nothing to do with. Oh, shit. Well, I remember Eat Sleep Rock before your involvement yeah um me too <laughs> it's because it, it's funny the way things kind of work out because i the first eat sleep rock event i went to was that welcome to 1979 yeah yeah i was not at that event but i remember hearing that that was like a really successful eat sleep rock nashville event it was it was cool um it was really cool but last night was really cool the show at Eastside bowl so it was true villains the reveal who have not played an original set yeah in a minute yeah um it's it's been i think over a year for them since they've played an original set they sounded super tight they did uh you know dustin was on a couple weeks ago talking about how he's doing the dusty bot 5000 or whatever the fuck he calls it <laughs> and yeah. working all of his bass pedals yeah um but it was cool to kind of see them play cuz i've seen them play a ton since i've known them uh like since they were no name blues first coming to Nashville. Yeah. And now like last night was the tightest I've ever heard them, but they've also been playing on fucking Broadway for a year. Yeah, absolutely. And they've changed their songs in a lot of ways too. Mm -hmm. We won't go into the opinions of all of the changes. I, I will say this. They are smart and they think long and hard about their music and there are reasons for everything that they do. It's not my music. I don't have to agree with everything that they do. There are some things where it's like when you know the original part, you want to hear that fucking original part, you know? Uh, uh, Dustin did not say wiener's out at all last night, right? Yeah, what the fuck is up with that? <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. Sick Nasty? That's yeah, a, that's, that's how that song, on, right? that's yeah. how it's supposed to start. They changed it to something else. They said something else at the beginning, though, didn't they? Uh, I can't remember. They closed with that song. It was the, which I love, by the yeah. way. Sick Nasty is one of my favorite reveal songs. Yeah. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but... Yeah, it was it was all in all it was great though. Like it was at Eastside Bowl. Great venue. Great venue. Yeah. The the sound <laughs> to be honest was to be desired. Definitely. The sound was was dog shit. Even though all the bands played well. Yeah. Uh not not to talk shit, but honestly, it there was too much bass, too much kick drum throughout the whole night. Throughout the whole night. Yeah, it wasn't and that's how you know it's not the bands. It's yeah. not a band member cranking their volume because to be honest with that lineup last night aside from 7 Year Witch, 
Oh, actually, well, okay. I had heard recordings of True Villains, and I knew that they were good and had a good live sound. And I know just like at the level that True Villain, I mean, sorry, Seven Year Witch is at, I was like, I knew these guys were good. And I had heard uh, Naked Gypsy Queens and The Reveal play a bunch. Um, So I knew that all of those bands, like none of those players are amateur players. No. you know, this was not an amateur hour show by any means. So, like, I would have been surprised if it was on one of the musicians. Not to say that that doesn't happen well, at can, a high level. You can you can tell when it's the musicians. You can tell when it's the sound, yeah. and you can tell when it's a combination of the two. Sure. And I I was really getting the the vibe. Like, I'll just say it flat out. It was whoever the the sound person was. Yeah. It was it was not good. Well, it was maybe the same. there was some kind of technical circumstance that we were unaware of. Sure. Um, but the, it, that made the show less enjoyable for me because I could see this ba- these bands are fucking killing it. Yeah. But I was like, eh. Well, it was the same problems across the board, too. For all yeah. the bands, yeah. Exactly. So it, was, it wasn't them. Like, like I said, everybody was super tight. That was the tightest I've ever heard the reveal. Yeah. They were fantastic. The vibe of Eastside Bowl is cool. Like it that is. that what is that venue called in the back? Does it have its own name? I think it's just like on Instagram. It's just Eastside Bowl venue. Okay. Sorry, I forgot to silence my phone. I'm used to being off camera. Yeah. And like just the the being on camera portion of it. I was like, oh shit, I didn't silence my phone. Yeah, you're good. Um. Yeah. It. I think they. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I, on Instagram, it's Eastside Bowl venue. The thing that is weird, and someone said this to me last night, when you're back there, I don't remember who it was, but someone walked up to me at some point in the night and said, remember, you're at a bowling alley. And I don't know, that like kind of fucked with me. Not that it's not yeah. awesome. That doesn't make it any less awesome, but it's like, in fact, I would say it's a, it's like a, an attribute or an attribute to how good the room is that you forget that you're in a bowling yeah. alley. It's yeah. hard to forget that well, type of they, thing. They book all sorts of acts that come through there. And when you, there's a great restaurant in the front. The food is fantastic. Um, I think it's called Shark's Lounge or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've only had like the, the bar food. Yeah. So you, you walk to, like from the, because you're all the way in the back and you walk. And there's a, a super long bar right across from that is the uh, the bowling alley. And like when you're walking through that to, to get to the bar, there's pool tables in the back. And now they have a stage in the front. And there was this uh, surf rock band, like as I was waiting to get us food um, that was playing, that was called um, Eddie and the or Eddie Angel and the, the something or another. I can't remember what, what it was. Yeah. But it was super cool. Like the it was the dude was wearing like one of the uh is it is it called Luchador? What are the the Mexican wrestling? Oh I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the name. But you're the masks, right? Yeah, the masks. Yeah, like the wrestling. Yeah. The the this uh, the guitar player was wearing that and he had on like a sequins kind of like jacket or something sparkly. Interesting. And um, the other guitar player was fantastic. His his name's Chris Casello, and then the bass player his name's Luca. And um, I I was DMing with him a little bit back and forth on Instagram because uh, I wanted to look them up right away because I was like these guys are fucking good. 
Um, and they were playing like great surf rock tunes. Like they were playing, they played this one song called Slaughter on 10th Avenue, which is my favorite venture song. Uh, and they also played another song called uh, The Lonely Bull, which is a cover, uh, another cover of uh, Herb Albert in the Tijuana Brass. Okay. So it was cool to see a band doing those songs because you don't really see that out. Um, but yeah, I was talking to the bass player. His, I think his name's Luca. And um, we were just, like I said, DMing back and forth. And I was like, is that a 50s reissue? Uh, I was pretty sure that it was just from the, the gold pick guard. Mm-hmm. It had a ma- the, his bass had a maple neck. It was a P bass. Yeah. Um, and then I asked him, I was like, what strings do you use? And he said, the 54 original Labellas, which are like the Jamersons. That's what they're also called. James okay. Jamerson used them. Donald Duck Dunn used them. A bunch of bass players have used them. Had just a throwback sound. They're cool. Flat wounds, of course. Yeah. Um, but it was really enjoyable seeing them and seeing people dance and get into it. It just felt like the right vibe. So it felt like across the board, it, it was fun. I had a couple of beers. I don't usually drink, but I was drinking some uh, some Miller High Life's road sodas. Hell yeah. Uh, as as uh, my my good friend Zachary Lehman calls them. I had a couple myself. Yeah. We, we had a good time, dude. It was a fun night. It was. It was overall enjoyable. I'm kind of upset that I didn't get to go back to any other parts of the room, but I've before, so I've been to Eastside Bowl a couple times. I had never spent any time in the venue, and I've spent always spent time in other areas. Same, honestly. That yeah. was my first time in the venue. I That was my first time seeing it. It was when we walked through that back door, and I was like, wow, this is kind of a big room. That used to be Kmart. Yeah. Do, yeah, that's crazy. Do you remember that? Were you around in Nashville, or were you kind of more out in Murfreesboro? So when it was like an active Kmart, I was more in Murfreesboro, but I did see... It as a closed down Kmart. Yeah, Kmart's. I mean, are they completely gone? I now, think. Th- I, think? I, I think there's like one or two locations left, if even any. Yeah. Um, but they went out of business with Sears. I think Sears also owned Kmart. But when I first moved to town, it wasn't long after that 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 Kmart closed because I was living in East Nashville when I first moved here. Do you know that building um, that has? Or do you know where the old Piggly Wiggly was in East Nashville? Uh, no, that I don't. So there was an old Piggly Wiggly in a Mexican restaurant, and it's also, there was, there's like a building with like a pig's face on it, and it was like this external building in the back, and uh, someone used to live there, and they would have parties, and there was DJ lights, and like a DJ was in there, and they, they were throwing parties, I think it was just like a little loft that maybe i don't know if piggly wiggly is like corporate or if it's franchised or what the deal is yeah i'm not sure but it closed down long story short and but i used to live back there didn't have a car when i first moved to town i would always take the bus up to madison because there that's where target was and that's where sam ash was so if i needed to go get something i mean i had the kroger it's right by the inglewood kroger gotcha um so it's super close all within that area yeah um, it's just down past that school. But uh, I always thought uh, whenever I would see that building with the pig's face on it, I was like, there's just weird gang rape that happens in there. I mean, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always just thought it was so weird. I was like a serial killer fucking lives there. It's just so odd. 
but yeah, I just uh, it's it's funny to think uh, at this point I've I've been in Nashville. It's coming up on eight years. Yeah. I've been here for almost a fucking decade, dude. Yeah, I'm at like nine myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy to think about, man. I I've spent most of my adult life in this city now, and I just moved here kind of to do it because it was a music city, the music city, and I wanted to see what would happen, and I it just adopted me. Well, I think uh, I think we've both come a long way since we've, yeah. we've gotten here. Yeah, well, I mean, you had your whole transition of going from like Murfreesboro to moving to actual Nashville. Yeah, regretfully, I spent like my first four years pretty much just in Murfreesboro. So I almost don't count my original time in Nashville because I, I hardly left campus. It was pretty much back and forth in Murfreesboro, to be clear, um, from MTSU's campus to like just wherever I worked and around Murfreesboro. What year did you move here? 2014. What was it like here in 2014? Um, or what was Murfreesboro like? A kind of like a small town, to yeah. be honest. I mean, it's a college town, so you've get you, you get your like normal college town shit. Um, you know, parties. Like there's shit to do, definitely, like for a youngster in uh in Murfreesboro. It seems like a place where families also live as well. Yeah, well, I think it's actually I think more people are settling down there because they can't afford Nashville as much. And so I think it's like the party part of it is either, you know, it's sequestering to like right around campus. Um, Like, I don't think it's as much of probably a fun town, I would imagine, as it was when I was there. There was a huge house show scene when I got there, like... The first house show, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, I think the first time I was on, um, I had never really been to a house show, and I didn't really understand the concept of it when I moved here, um, because in Vegas, where I'm from, we have house parties, but it's like just someone with a DJ, and if someone has a band, like they might play your birthday party or something, but it's not treated as like a musically focused event, you know? Um, Not to say that they didn't happen, but, like, I just didn't grow up around that. Um, If you wanted your band to play at a bar or, like, at a a venue, you could do that. But in Murfreesboro, when I moved there in 2014, there were, like, I don't know, a half dozen or more houses that went by names that, like, they either had social media groups, um, like there's several social media groups, and then just like on campus, either people would hand out flyers or you'd just see them posted or you would just hear word of mouth. Like the first time I went to a house show, I just heard that there was a party at this place near campus and they were shooting a music video for this band that's no longer around anymore, um, but the members are all still very talented and some of them are my friends, um, the Acorn people. And they were shooting a music video that you can still find on YouTube of that night. And that was the first house show I had ever gone to in my entire life. Yeah, I love a good house show. There's a a good house show scene up in Clarksville. Yeah, I've heard that. I've only ever been to Possum Stock, which is, you know, pretty much uh, like by it's put on by some of 
the house show people. Yeah. Um, for lack of a better term, I know Cody Parson. Shout out to Cody Parson. He's one of the like big people out there who helps that scene a lot. Um, but I've never actually made it to a Clarksville house show. Dude, okay. So I played. I've played a couple. I played one with the Weird Sisters on a uh, a dreadfully cold night and I played one with Violet Moons on a dreadfully cold night. Damn. Um what, was were they both outside that you were playing? Uh, the Weird Sisters was outside. Violet Moons we were in a garage, but the vibe was cool. Um so the Weird Sisters show the power went out while we were playing at one point. How shows. Yeah, but you know what? That's half the fun. Yeah. Um, and my this was uh right at the start of my bass amp was starting to have issues, like it was just starting to to blow out a little bit, and it was because I uh, playing with with like a a keyboard player like Gabby, she does the heavy synth bass, and a lot of the time I was just doubling her lines right. or accenting them. Um, I was having to really crank my fucking volume to uh, to reach it, and I had a 200-watt amp, and it wasn't loud enough for the Weird Sisters. It just didn't want to do it. Nope. Um, and then at the, uh, at the fucking show with Violet Moons, there was this guy going around, and he was saying, like, put your finger on one of your nostrils. He would ask people to do that, and then he would hold up like that uh, like tape cleaner to your nose and you would get high for like 15 seconds. You sure they weren't poppers? It was poppers, or, or, dude. Oh, okay. Th- that's what poppers is. It's tape oh. cleaner. Oh, really? I yeah, it's like that. videotape cleaner. And um, Shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just learned something new. Holy yeah, shit. and uh, I won't say... I won't, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, th- another part of the story sure, later, because sure. I don't want to out anybody, okay. but it, it happened to a few people that were around. Yeah, I think I may have heard a, a part of this from someone else. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, you did. Okay. It's exactly- This is starting to sound familiar. Yeah, okay. but that was a good show too, it was fun. I would say, honestly, that was one of our best Violet Moon shows. Um, Hell Yeah. We did that. That was a night we did a cover of. Uh, it was the first time that we covered White Rabbit. I love that song. Yeah, and it was very tight on stage. Is that Jeff? Is that Starship or Airplane? Airplane. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, same group, but I yeah. didn't. I didn't know which part. I know surprisingly little about them. Yeah, I don't really know much. I know Jack Cassidy was their bass player. Yeah. He. I don't. Have you ever seen a signature model bass before? I don't think so. So it's. Uh, a holly, a hollow body or a semi-hollow. There's ones I think that are black and there's ones that are gold top. It's Epiphone. And he plays flat wounds. The bass sounds beautiful. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that. That's just a tangent, a side note about about that. But the show was great with, with Violet Moons. It was great with the Weird Sisters too. That might have been my first Weird Sisters show that I played. Oh, that's a great way to start off. Uh, it was career with the weird sisters. Yeah, it was exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt right. Yeah, because their place, um, and I, you never went to their their place, right? No, and Dude, they never played was... here. We tried to get them to play in this room so many times. Yeah, and it just it wasn't that they wouldn't do it. It was, it was just, just they're always they're always busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, their old place, great. 
Croft Manor is is what uh, what it's called. But it was amazing. It, it's exactly what you'd imagine the place for the Weird Sisters to be living was. Like they would throw all these insane house shows. The basement was plastered in different posters. It was in different like pictures and random shit. Like there's like this one picture in their basement of a baby with like a dog. Hmm. And um, I remember every time I would fucking go over there, I I would text something new to Teo of the basement and he would always love it. You would think it was so fucking funny. But um, they had like a signed poster of Maria Menounos from like a Greek restaurant. Okay. But it's so fucking random. No, that's what's cool though about like house show houses. It's just like a lot of people doing art, you know, and just like putting it up somewhere. I mean, creative in a way, you know, not to, I feel like it always gets brought up. I try not to bring up the castle too much because I feel like everyone's always bringing it up. But like in a way, I felt like at least when I moved into the castle that I helped contribute to like making that uh, basement area like, you know, just whatever my... A vibe. Con- yeah, whatever my contribution was. And there were a couple parties where that basement area, when it didn't smell and, you know, have a bunch of, have cat, a bunch shit. of cat shit everywhere, um, I was proud of that basement a couple times because it wasn't like to the extent where we had like crazy pieces of art all over the place, but... Everyone kind of had their random piece that they brought to the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a vibe. I, dude, I love a good house show. There's there's nothing else like it. It's people who are really just there for the music. Yeah. That's how I got my start, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right in here. Well, this was the second place you did house shows at? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they're fun. I... I ha- I was actually just thinking the other day that I hadn't been to a house show in forever. And uh yeah, I would love to go back to a house show. I would host house shows if I could, but yeah. that's just not an option right now. Yeah, I'm definitely open to uh to playing some. I'm I'm working on uh some different musical projects that are in the early stages right now. Um of just people I'm playing with. I'm, I'm trying to do more solo shit, but um, I will be very open to playing a fucking house show in Clarksville. So if someone wants to wants to book book uh, book something with me, hit me up. Yeah. Let me know. Anyone out in Clarksville listening, I'd I'd love to team up and and I'll promote it. I'll send people out to Clarksville. Hell yeah, dude! So. Eat Sleep Rock presents. Yeah. Honestly, I uh, <clears throat> a couple years back, it's more like my fault than. Um, than say his, but I did actually approach Cody Parson and mention something about like having a an Eat Sleep Rock Nashville stage or something, and uh, he seemed open to the idea, but it just never like got rolling. There's yeah. a there's a lot that goes into that. We did do that at it wasn't our stage, but we did at Fish Fest a couple years back. We had an Eat Sleep Rock Nashville night where it was like we pretty much it was bands that like we often booked yeah so yeah uh, is uh fish fest is happening soon right yes uh i actually i meant to bring down posters to like hold up yeah um they're upstairs i forgot to grab them yeah but uh man 
I am blanking on the date, which is what sucks. <laughs> Here, I can look it up real quick. Okay. I was going to say, I can go run and grab the posters No, you're quick. good, dude. Okay. How, uh, how did you meet Larry? Was it through the reveal? <laughs> dude, it was... You would think that. So, Larry, I believe, had already met Dustin, but I met Larry through Ian, my friend Ian Stackhouse, and the reason... <laughs> was oddly enough dude it was okay i'm trying to remember the details because it didn't involve me but i'm pretty sure it was the parkway drive show a couple years back at marathon music works and i was actually at that show with my buddy aaron and um ian stackhouse was working security we all used to work for a company called access security uh, it's like venue security around town. Ian was working that night. I was a, a showgoer, and Larry was there that night, but he was supposed to go with his son, Jake, and I think for some reason Jake couldn't go. I don't remember. It was something like maybe he had surgery or whatever the reason was. Jake couldn't go, and so at the end of the show... Larry went up to Ian, just the security guard right in the front, and asked him if he could uh, ask the band to like get something signed for his son, and uh, Ian made it happen. And so at the time, Ian and I were booking house shows together, and Ian was basically, he had done this nice thing for Larry, and Ian, just being the friendly guy that he is, was telling Larry about like how you know, even though we do security, we also like book shows. And at the time we were in a band and, or, well, actually I don't think we were in a band anymore at that point, but, um, basically Larry connected with Ian and Larry was like, well, we have a podcast or I have a podcast called music city metal, music city metal plug. Um, and then basically we just set up a date to go on Larry's podcast and then, Pretty much the rest is history. After that, he started coming to our house shows and then he fell in love with like our space and everything that we were doing. And then he had this idea for Fish Fest that in the in the origin of it, it was literally just pretty much a backyard party for his friends. And now it's like a yearly festival. Um, last year, it was at the um, Wilson County Fairgrounds. And oh, this year it's going to be at Eastside Bowl. Oh, okay. So that's what he was talking about last oh, night. That's yeah. why, did you find out what the date was? August 26th. Yeah, so it's it's coming up. It's less than a month away, and it's where we were last night yeah. at Eastside Bowl. So kind of full circle story right there. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, I, I haven't checked out the the podcast for him, but I'm, I would definitely like to. He was talking to me a little bit about it last night, just about mental health and stuff like that, and it sounds cool. I uh, I like that there's other people in Nashville who are doing podcasts. Uh, Caroline West was recently on from Broadway Girl. She was she was a great guest. She was. Yeah, we had a good conversation um, with her. Her food taste. I don't know. We can talk. About dude, that. fuck <laughs> what a burner, dude. <laughs> I knew we were gonna take it there. Sorry, Caroline. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fuck. fuck Whataburger. It's just honestly, it, and well, all my friends who love Whataburger. Fuck, yeah, fuck it. The only thing that's good is the patty melt. I'm see. I've never had the patty melt. Okay. Well. The, well, the Dr Pepper milkshake is good. I haven't tried that. It is top tier. I think it's like a, a menu item that's only available for a limited time. 
It's like a seasonal item, I think, because I've gone there and I'm like, like with the intention of getting a Dr Pepper milkshake. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we don't uh, we don't have it right They're now. They're pulling that McDonald's shit. Yeah, dude. Like, our machine's broken. Dude, did you see the uh? Speaking of McDonald's, the whole fucking Grimace, Grimace's birthday thing with the Grimace shake. Yeah. I don't really understand that. I don't know. Maybe I was just too stupid when I was a kid, but, or maybe I was too late to the party, but I remember like Tarzan and Harry Potter toys at, in Happy Meals. I don't remember Grimace or any of the- You might be, so we we don't have that big of an age difference- but I feel like for things like this, it makes a difference. It does. Because I specifically remember this one Grimace toy that I had that I loved. Um, it was It's like this little plastic like Grimace figure, and it was a Halloween toy. And what it was is, so it was just him, but you could like clamp on this Grimace. It was like a ghost, uh, a ghost sheet that went over him, and it was just his purple feet at the bottom of it. Okay, um, but that was like one of my favorite, probably my favorite, like McDonald's Happy Meal toy from when I was a kid, because um, I, I was into the fact that it was kind of spooky and weird, and Halloween was, has always been my favorite holiday. So yeah, maybe like my brain is just blocking that part of my memory out or I'm I was just too young or it's exactly what you just said the there's that gap and that matters where they were like grimace is not trending well right now because I distinctly remember because I remember dude my mom was proud like she helped me get it do you remember the Tarzan one do you remember what I'm talking about I remember so I it was like a whole jungle set you would have like the whole jungle. You would get all the pieces yes. to it. Yes, I, I ha- vaguely fucking remember. I this. had all the fucking pieces. Yeah, yeah, I had them all. And I think there was a Harry Potter one, or am I just imagining that I, one in my I, head? I'm not sure. There was every time there was like a big Hollywood movie. Like, so what I remember was Disney had a partnership with McDonald's, and then I think 20th Century Fox had a partnership with Burger King. Okay. So they would have like X-Men toys and shit at Burger King. Gotcha. And it was almost, it's really fucking interesting if you think about the invention of the kids meal. Like the the whole thing is like there's a toy in there. And I, I don't know. I bet there is an entire collectibles market. For like happy meal there is and, and kids meal toys. That's a thing for sure. One hundred percent. Those sets that I'm talking about, like the the Tarzan ones, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're worth a lot. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And did they have like one that would shoot like a monkey would shoot a banana or some shit like that? They have like play features? I think so. The the specifics, to be honest, I was like I was kind of a little spoiled fucking brat when I was a kid. So once I had the whole set, I didn't give a fuck about it anymore. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that I was like, you know, I got everything that I wanted. It was just like I was bored. I was over it by the time I the had the act of collecting. Uh, yeah, because honestly, my mom instilled it into me. She bought me from, I want to say birth or from when I was really young. She got me a coin collection. So that's fucking cool. From when I was like super young, like I remember from as long as I could remember, they had this. Um, okay, I hope I don't botch this. I think it was Pennsylvania, and they had 
coin collections. I know one of the states was Pennsylvania, and I want to say the other one was Louisiana, maybe? That feels like it's not right. But basically, they had like these sets where it was like Pennsylvania and then this other state, and it's like a 14-year collection. I know if there was a coin collector here with me, they would know what I was talking about. Uh, So I... Or maybe you do. I know what you're talking about. When I was a kid, it was a big deal when the states, like every state got a quarter. So there's that too. And then there's also the presidential dollars, the silver presidential silver yes. dollars for every year and for every president. Yeah. Um, but I know basically the the set that I'm talking about, it's it's these two sets and it's like Pennsylvania and another set. It's like it's basically what you're talking about, but it's like a specific if you have these two states through these 14 years, like those are like worth a crazy you amount get, of money. Uh, a book from the grocery store, what it was at least, at least for all the states to where um, you could, it, it was like a whole thing. Like I remember news stories about it, all of that. And you could like drop the coin. It would like slide into this book. Yeah, it, it it had all these blank spots from um, what the state was, and it was also the Sacagawea gold dollar. Yeah, that was the other one that I I remember from when I was a kid. That was a big deal. Buffalo nickels are huge too. I so I don't know if I don't really know anything about buffalo nickels. What's the deal with that? So, oh man, I wish I honestly like knew more about this stuff i just know that like somewhere i have a box with a lot of like and i do have some buffalo nickels um but i know that they they're one of like the further dated back coins um but yeah i I don't know anything about like the actual origin or the the i think um i mean i think it's like a native related coin i have a thomas jefferson gold dollar and then i have a jfk i think it's a 50 cent piece i think it's a half dollar nice um but i just i like got the 50 cent piece i think from a walgreens and then thomas jefferson gold dollar i think i just found that on the ground and it's not every day that you you see any of those coins so i was like i'm gonna keep these these are cool yeah, no, coin collecting is cool, and I, I guess what, yeah, I, I was fortunate to where, um, like, my mom pretty much just, you know, was like, hey, I'm going to have these things for you, and I guess, you know, you can decide later as you grow up whether you're going to be into it or not, and so I was very fortunate because of that, so I did, like, at a pretty young age, understand the concept of, like, just having a set of something yeah. just to have it, not necessarily for it to be like a toy that I'm picking up all the time. Totally. Yeah. I, I was kind of the same way with like Pokemon cards and then eventually like Yu-Gi-Oh cards, Digimon for a minute. I don't know where any of that shit is. It just disappeared out of my life, but I still have some of the original baseball cards that I had from when I was a kid. Um, and I was super into that. I had a teacher that knew I loved baseball. I was in the sixth grade at Pines Middle School in Pembroke Pines, Florida. This was before I moved to Maine. It was right before I moved to Maine. But um, my teacher was like, he told me at the time, 
He's like, I got some Mark McGuire rookie cards. He's like, you can you can have them. Um, and he gave me like a bunch of baseball cards that were just kind of cool. I think there was like a Ken Griffey Jr. in there and a couple other things. And he's like, baseball cards are like stocks. They go up, they go down. Right. Um, and I this there was this whole thing where he's like, here, this is my my telephone number. Call me on Sunday night, whatever it was. I can't remember all the details. And remind me to bring the cards for you. And he, he brought them to me. Um, he was my social studies teacher. His name was Mr. Freed. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that and I was I had already had uh like a baseball card collection at that point. Yeah. Like right around the time that I got big into it was when A Rod got traded to the Yankees from the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole big deal. It was still the Yankees had already won most of their championships. Um like they were super hot in the mid to late nineties. And then they went through like a long period where they didn't have it. And then they won again in 2009. I was already in high school. I wasn't into it anymore. Um, but my my grandfather was a big, uh, big Yankees fan. Uh, he was from New York. So that's where that love kind of came from because we would watch baseball games while we were on the on the phone. Um, and when I it was probably I think it was 2003 when the Marlins and the Yankees played in the World Series against each other, and the Marlins beat the Yankees. Yeah. Um, and I, I was heartbroken. I hated the Marlins when I was a kid because of it. But one of their players, his name's Miguel Cabrera, um, he ended up getting traded to the Detroit Tigers and has been with them for most of his career. But he's uh, this season's his last season, so he's just about to retire. So it's kind of crazy to think, like, this dude has been playing professional baseball since I was in elementary school, and he's yeah. just fucking retiring because his rookie season was 2003 with the Marlins. Damn. That, and he won the World, World Series that year as, as a rookie. So you were seeing, like, his peak almost. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he did, he did a bunch of shit by the time I was kind of like out of baseball and not into it. I think he won the Triple Crown at one point. It, that's when you have, you win the, the batting title, which like batting average. You win home runs, like you had the most home runs in the league and you had the most RBIs in, in the league. It's, it's rare. It's like a rare feat for a player to do. Aaron Judge almost did it last year. He barely missed it. Um, but he almost won the triple crown. But yeah, it's just wild to see like this dude retiring and when players have been in the the league for that long, um, all these teams, teams whenever they basically do a goodbye tour. So it's like the last he was just uh just played down in Miami for the last time and they gave him like a bottle of rum and they had like a whole ceremony and gave him cigars and all this shit. And it's just, uh, it's like a piece piece of my childhood, I think. I think uh, the baseball thing and the baseball card thing, it's uh, my love for my grandpa, Ralph. Um, I, like, his name wasn't Ralph, though. Like, he, he called me uh, Ralph. He would forget people's names and just call them Ralph. And we called each other Ralph. Uh, it, was, it was so random, but we thought it was, was funny, you know? Um, but he owned his uh, his own business. He owned a landscaping business, and he was just very did not give a fuck. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, I'm not going to work for anyone. Everybody can go fuck themselves, but... I respect it. Yeah, Grandpa, Grandpa Ralph, dude. Y- Grandpa Ralph would have loved you, and you would have fucking loved Grandpa Ralph. I believe it. And Sounds like he was a straight shooter. He was. And to tie things together to Nashville today, so they lived in East Tennessee. So I would come to Tennessee a lot when I was a kid. Not a lot, but like at least... Probably once every other year or every couple of years, we'd come down here because we'd go see um, my my grandma and grandpa, and then we'd come to Nashville to see my aunt and uncle. And uh, so, yeah, I've been coming to Tennessee since I was just a young kid. I was talking about it with my dad today, and I was like, I, I would not have guessed that I would be living in Nashville. Like, yeah. we... So one of the first times I came to Nashville, man, I was probably eight or nine. And there there used to be a merry-go-round down at the end of Broadway. Like, you know, right where those buses pull now? Yeah. There was a merry-go-round there. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, it used to be kind of seedy and dangerous, like downtown Nashville. Yeah. There was a bunch of porn theaters and shit like that down there. I think Jason Aldean's used to be a uh, like a NASCAR bar. Okay. Because uh, I remember going in there when I was a kid. I don't know if it was Jason Aldean's, but I vividly remember walking into this restaurant and there was like NASCAR cars, like actual cars hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I always love hearing people who have been in nashville for like 40 years yeah hearing them talk about it in the way that it used to be yeah it's not how it is now no it's not there was this guy that i worked with his name was richard and he used to be willie nelson's drummer he was friends with willie because they were both from texas and he played with him in austin and then eventually moved to Nashville. Willie, him and Willie were still friendly up until the time, like, he told me about, like, went to a show of Willie's and he was great and all that shit. But Richard would uh, would tell me stories about old school Nashville. And he said when he first moved to town, he went to a bar down on Broadway. To, it was to Tootsie's. And Merle Haggard was playing, like, Hell on yeah. stage there. Nice. And, um... He saw Merle Haggard go into the bathroom, and he went back there, and he's and Merle Haggard was back there rolling up a joint, and he's like, "Mr. Haggard, I'm a big fan," and he's like, "Cool, you want to smoke this joint with me?" Hell yeah, yeah. But it's just cool old school Nashville stories like that. And he told me there was prostitutes down there always hanging out. He said Second Avenue was dangerous. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, yeah, it can be dangerous now, depending on when you're there. I, you know what? I wonder, man. I wonder how much gets swept under the rug because it's such a hot tourist spot. But, like, I've seen stuff about human trafficking. There's girls, like, whenever I was an Uber driver, um, bartenders would tell me stories. That there was, Straight up, there was a girl that told me she had been drugged twice at a specific bar. Wasn't on Broadway. Um, it was on, what is that other street where, like, Tin Roof and all of them are? Is it Church? Midtown. In Midtown. 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 
where, where all those bars are in Midtown. Oh yeah, in Midtown. She yeah. told me one of the bars over there. She she'd been roofied twice, and there was another girl who's well, like, "Yeah, I've been I've been roofied." Well, Midtown once. got shot up a couple times too. Midtown used to be really rough. It's crazy to think about. And Cumulus is right over there where Josh, where I worked with Josh at. Josh still works there. Yeah, and that's not always the best area either. Yeah, so it's it's so funny, man, looking back now. Like, when I first started to really be friends with Josh and get to know him well, I would go hang out with him on his Saturday shift while he was producing because no one was in the building, and it would be all the paid programming shows. Um, and I would take a break from my Uber driving, and we would just talk and shoot the shit. Um, and I would just hang out in the control room with him. Um, and it's funny because eventually I was in there so much. Like, Josh was just like, you want to apply here? It's like, I don't want to work on Saturdays anymore. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I uh, I started working there. And uh, I, I learned a lot. But it's just funny the way things work sometimes. Yeah. I mean, this town has changed. I mean... We're talking, you know, about approaching a decade, and I can think of, you know, tons of things that have changed just from there, like all the buildings that have gone up, and, um, man, they've... I will say, even though there's still a lot of roads that need to be improved, like, Briley Parkway is a lot better than it was. Like right, Like, right over there by, um, by the mall... Over mm-hmm. there, that used to be pretty rough over there. It's it's a lot better now. I have vivid memories of going there when I was a teenager, whenever we came to Nashville, um, and going to, uh, there used to be a Gibson, like, store, and they, they I think they made, like, mandolins there or something like that. Nice. Um, but they had, like, a, a showroom there, uh, like right on the front part of the mall, but when the flood happened, they closed it down, got rid of it. But um, I went there and I, I tried out like a Billy Joe Armstrong signature model. I was so stoked. I was like, and it was like a two thousand dollar guitar. I was so surprised they let me touch it. Um, but yeah, man, looking back, it's it's just uh, wild to see the way that it's changed because there's always been this element of small town that has music going on. Yeah, with country music. Um, but now it's just become a whole brand. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely ups and downs. I mean, I'm kind of like on the fence with it because a lot of people, you know, there's the annoying things about the tourists, but there's also a lot of opportunities because of them that wouldn't be available here in Nashville, including most, you know, Broadway performers. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to think about Broadway, the bartenders. The bartenders make ridiculous fucking money. Yeah. Uber drivers, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, in in some in some capacity I've made um money off of every aspect of like the tourist industry in, yeah. in Nashville from playing to Uber driving to working events. Yeah. Um I just I feel so lucky, man. I I feel like Nashville truly did adopt me. Sometimes it can be a a cruel bitch, and I can get in my in my feelings about it. But it's really the thing I have to fucking remember is it's never personal. Yeah, no, it's uh, people are trying to conduct a lot of business here, and you've got a lot of people moving here all the time. 
So, you know, in a way, I mean, not to, I love because people say it all the time, but like it truly is like Nashville's becoming a melting pot of just all different kinds of people. It's a lot of the same type of people. Don't get me wrong, but it's also a lot of different types of people. Yeah. It's a lot of guitar players who want to be, you know, the next Slash. But for it's sure. also a lot of people like you and I. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I Well, in, in the South in general, this is like a, a, a hub, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just geographically where we're located, it's a gateway to the Midwest, the, the rest of the Southeast, into the Northeast. Because everything is just a hop, skip, and a jump away once yeah. you start driving. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what makes Middle Tennessee specifically cool. Because, yeah, we're kind of right in the center of the state, but we're also, like, right in line, you know, to get to other states pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place. What do you got going on the next couple of weeks? So we've got Zeppelin Night coming up on August 14th. Who's playing Zeppelin Night? So it is hosted by the Garden of Eden. Um, we've got the School of Rock Nashville there. And then we've got members from all sorts of local awesome bands like Hippies and Cowboys, uh, Calico Mantra. Um, let's Alexis see. from Tennessee Muscle Candy. Tennessee Muscle Candy. Man, there's so many. Um, I'm trying to remember all of them. I know Grace Bowers is going to be there. Ricky Dover Jr. is going to be there. Jax Hollow is going to be there. Um, I'm still missing so many. Yeah, there's um, a there's a basically a lot of people. And yeah, the, Skinner Night was great at the basement. Yeah, hosted by happened. hippies and cowboys. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool to see like the Eat Sleep Rock like the events are working. Yeah, they are. We're I think we're really starting to find what separates us from you know other companies or show promotion companies. Um, we're kind of like figuring out how to do things that, I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're doing things that we're, we're hosting cover shows, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But, um, we're doing them a little differently, but done at a high capacity. Yeah. I, yeah. not to say that the others don't, but like it feels musically like it's very strong, like hippies and cowboys. I mean, the thing that really stood out to me, it's, I've heard them over the years, and um, Aaron, of course, has come on the podcast, but uh, hearing them play, like the the drummer, what is the drummer's name? Scott Medco. Scott Medco and Kevin Corbo, yep. the bass player. He's really fucking good, man. He's a great bass player. Yeah, they're both really fucking good. Um, and, I mean, they're fucking killing it on Broadway. Hippies and Cowboys are like the band down. They're playing the main stage at Kid Rocks. Scott Metco, uh, I hope I'm not saying this incorrectly, but I believe he was like Patsy Cline's last onstage drummer or some, or, or maybe like her... When did she pass? How? Uh, th- maybe that's she impossible. Pa- she passed like a long ass time ago. Okay, maybe it's like her. He's associated with her band in some way. I don't know exactly, but uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know the details on that. I probably shouldn't have mentioned it, dude. I I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was in a Lifetime movie. Really? Which one? Patsy and Loretta Forever. No way. Yeah. And it filmed at the Ryman, so naturally I got cast in like a period fucking piece with my slicked back hair. Um, but they dressed me in like a cowboy outfit. 
I had to go to uh, Dickerson Pike first, though, to do the fitting, like the clothes fitting. You know that studio that's on Dickerson Pike? You know what I'm talking about? It's like a TV studio. I can't say I do. It's uh, like Sky King, or it's called something like that. Okay. But it's right off the highway, right next to that super, super eight, super shitty motel. Okay. Um, which was the first place that I stayed like as an adult on my own. I came to Nashville, saw Tam and Paula at the Ryman nice. and was like, I'm trying to find a place to live. I had a job interview, was doing all this shit. Mine was Fiddler's Inn. Damn. Okay. In Opryland. Yeah. That I, I know exactly place. where it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I was in a Lifetime movie and, uh, it was so fucking random. I mean, I was just like a background actor, Yeah. but I was standing on stage while like the girl who was the actress who was Loretta Lynn mm-hmm. was like miming the song. Um, and I was basically like a musician who was waiting to go up, uh, for my turn. And there was this other guy that was there and he told me this really bizarre story about, uh, his wife and I think his wife was also there and she was in it too where he was like yeah she got sexually assaulted and I beat up this guy and I went to jail and all this he Jesus. was like t- telling me this right after I met him I'm like I've never met this dude before always a bad sign yeah I, I was like something's not adding up here uh but eventually not long after that I got cast as uh fucking in another 50s like period piece just for like this girl who's like a spoiled fucking brat who was like her mom was paying for her to be pop star play pop star and the music fucking sucked dick it wasn't good at all but they gave me this really cool fucking outfit to wear she was basically supposed to be like a Marilyn Monroe Mm -hmm. and there was this other dude that was supposed to be JFK and he was supposed to get shot in it and all this shit but I was dancing with this this lady um, that ran like pageants in Tennessee or something like that. It was also, it was just basically this dude, he asked a bunch of his friends, the director, because I'm sure he was making fucking bank. Because we were at Patsy Cline's house. It filmed at Patsy Cline's house in Mad- Madison, also off of Dickerson Pike. It's like deep Dickerson Pike. Once you kind of are on your way to Goodlettsville and you're... There's a lot of trees around. Okay. But yeah, I did that too, dude. I've done so much random shit here. And that, literally, I was just like, I need to make money. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good way to make money, honestly. It's yeah. an extra in a film. I, I kind of hated it, though. It was too much standing around and waiting. Yeah, it is a lot of that. Waiting for your name to get called. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I did a Netflix movie as well, where... Um, I was an extra in that too, and I, I it's called like Messiah or something like that. Okay. Um, but it filmed at the airport, and then it also filmed over at the church. You know that giant ass church by Indy's old place in Madison. That's like right on the corner. Yeah. Or right before you get on the highway, that mega church. Mm-hmm. It filmed there as well, but I didn't do any of the scenes there. There was like three other people that were there that I was like hanging out with. That we all got along, and we were like the only four that kind of stayed back, and we're like, we're just gonna chill here mm-hmm. uh, and not go and do this other scene, and we were just kind of chilling, eating all the snacks and like drinking all the sodas and shit. Nice. We were like, we're kind of tired because this was already at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I've never done anything like that. That's interesting. 
Yeah, dude. I can I can say everything that I've quote unquote acted in. I've always been paid for. There you go. You're a paid actor. I'm a paid actor, dude. Put paid it on extra. The I'm on strike, bro. Put it on the resume. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Danny, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and now TikTok at shooting the shit, and then Eat Sleep Rock uh, Nashville on Instagram. And Eat Sleep Rock Nash on TikTok. Um, yeah, those are the main ones. Fuck yeah. And come out to, I don't know, I think this might go up actually the day of Zeppelin night. What's what's tomorrow? The 30? Uh, the 30th? Or no, the 29th. Monday's the... Th- or wait, no. Yeah, no, Monday's the 31st. I, I the 31st. Th- okay, so-, so there's this episode. I think this... Either way, I can put this up. Let's put this up a week before okay. Zeppelin Night happens. We'll go to Zeppelin Night. It's August 14th at August Basement 14th. East. You can get your tickets pre-sale right now for $15 or $20 at the door. Perfect. Keep on dreaming. See you next week.